everyone. This is David Shore. I'm the producer of the Panel Show podcast. And this is our year-end, uh, 2019 year-end special show. It was recorded over the uh, Christmas, New Year's holidays. And as a result, it was kind of put together a bit looser and, and kind of last minute, to be honest. And we could only get uh, one journalist as a result, Andrew Coyne, but he more than holds his own with the two improvisers. This show marks the final episode of Professor Pipe, as the good professor has accepted a tenured position at the University of Miami's School of Mai Tais. So we do wish Professor Pipe all the best out there. Uh, This episode was taped on January 3rd, 2020. And depending on how the editing works out in the end, it might go up after the January episode. We do apologize for that. So this could be like the lost episode of the podcast, the panel show podcast. Lastly, I'd like to thank uh, Gabe Flaherty for editing the show. Without further ado, here's the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the panel show 2019 year-end special. Each show, we bring together real journalists and improvisers in character to talk about real-world issues, topics, and events. Today's panelists are, for the Globe and Mail and CBC's Ad Issue panel, Andrew Coyne. And our improvisers are appearing as, he's a supervillain from the DC Universe, please welcome to the show, Mr. Freeze. And she's a condo developer. Please welcome to the show, Melissa Langell. Is that correct, Melissa? Langell. Langell. It's a, it's a bit of a soft G. A soft G. <laughs> I'm your host. Professor Pipe, and I'm an associate professor at the University of Toronto School of School. We're recording live from Casa de la Pipe in downtown Toronto, as our new recording studio isn't available for a few weeks. So we're at my home, where our audience consists of a large photo of the Clash, a mini golem, and a velvet portrait of the late great Red Fox. It's a delightful space. Thank you. Here. Thank you very much. Have you thought about going bigger? Uh, I'm happy where I am. Well, we'll talk I find the decor a bit cold, and I like it. <laughs> okay. And also, uh, rounding out our, our audience is our recording engineer, Luke. All right. So, and uh, as we're in downtown Toronto, you may hear some construction noise. As, uh, as I said, we're downtown. And uh, when we were planning to do the show here over the Christmas holidays, I, re- I forgot that right during the regular year, there's construction because we're in downtown Toronto. Melissa, are you building in this area? you have anything going on? I have been involved in several of the cranes you'll see around the skyline. I have to admit, it's a very, very exciting time. Okay, that's good to know. This episode of the panel show is brought to you by the cursive letter X and the umlaut. Mm-hmm. All right, now let's talk about 2019, the year that was panel, let's, let's start with Canada since we're here. What do you think was the biggest news story in Canada? Andrew Coyne, why don't we start with you? Uh, I think you'd have to go with the SNC-Lavalin affair. Uh, it cost the government two of its most senior ministers. It cost them the prime minister's principal secretary, the clerk of the Privy Council. Uh, it consumed the news for weeks on end. It hurt them materially in terms of their polling standing, almost cost them the election, and deservedly so. It was a big deal. Some people would like to say it was just a dispute amongst cabinet colleagues or whatever, mm-hmm. but this was the prime minister and his henchmen attempting to interfere in a criminal prosecution with a company that had a terrible record of, of uh, bribery and corruption, not only overseas, which was what this particular matter was about, but in Canada as well. So it was kind of a litmus test, in, among other considerations, of whether Canada was serious about going after corporate corruption. And if they'd been able to cut them some kind of sweet deal, it would have sent all the wrong signals, not only about that, but about the rule of law in this country. I just think it's so, so sad for the Liberals that they weren't able to to land those sweet deals. I was really excited to see them growing in this direction. You know, maybe there's hope for them. But uh, unfortunately, they weren't able to really make that transition. So uh, here's hoping. I felt that they, they treated the, the ministers very coldly, you know, when they spoke up and they said, you know, it's okay to, to speak up in our new cabinet, but that's cold when you just mm. turn your back on them. No, it's mm. bad, but, I, you know. 
Very cold. It's cold. Ice cold. Very ice cold. Well, let's stick with you, uh, uh, Dr. Freeze. Dr. Freeze or Mr. Mr. Freeze? Mr. I am a doctor, but I prefer Mr. Mr. Freeze. Different okay, than most doctors. Mr. Most doctor. And to point out, you're the Dr. Freeze from the uh, movie, not the TV show. I'm from whatever you want. You know, I'm actually from another country that I don't name because then people get angry when I name it because, like, <laughs> they don't know what the accent is. I don't know what the accent is. So. Well, we're just happy that you're here. I, yes, I used to be here, you know. It's good to be here. So, uh, uh, Mr. Freeze, who do you, what do you think is the top news story in Canada? There was elections everywhere. Just like you turn around, there was another election. Alberta had the election and, and the Canada had the election. And I'm sure, like, some East Coast places, they had elections. Yeah, I had an election. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I, does it still exists? I don't know. Is that a place? I, it's so small. Well, pretty interesting. A PI, we got the first uh, Green Party in opposition, and it looked like they might actually uh, win. We'll talk a bit more about the Green Party. Well, actually, we can talk about it now. Were, were any of you uh, surprised that, uh, I mean, the Greens have won seats provincially across the country. Were any of you surprised they didn't win more seats in the federal election? Uh, uh, Melissa, why do we start with you? No, I mean, they're they're pretty fundamentally a boring party. You know, there's not a lot of sexy fun in the Green Party. And um, I think that Canadians, you know, really, really reject that kind of sincere, measured thinking and are, are really ready for some, you know, uh, uh, short-sighted, um, you know, kind of, uh, what's the word, xenophobic, um, xenophobic, kind of, you know, like self-centered uh, kind of views. And... Um, Hopefully the major parties are ready to give that to them. Andrew, what do you think? Uh, going into the federal election, they were the only party that had the wind at its back. They were rising in the polls. People were talking about whether they would maybe overtake the NDP. They had elected MPs not only in PEI but in other uh, provinces, in Ontario and BC. So everybody was talking about the Greens being on the march. It's not unprecedented that once they get into an election campaign, things start to fall apart. Either the campaign, you know, threw, f blew a few wheels, but also the the voters who were saying they were going to vote for them are usually doing so between elections. As soon as they kind of focus in. Uh, they wander off to other parties. But this was the problem for all the left-wing parties, the Liberals, the NDP, and the Greens, is that their voter base, they're all on the left, but they cannot decide which party they're for, and they're, they're, they're bouncing back and forth between those parties. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of that, in that I've, there's, a strong, uh, there's a strong Green candidate in this riding. This is University of Rosedale we're in right now, and it's Christina Freelance riding, the, the Deputy Prime Minister. And I gave money to Tim Grant, who's the Green mm -hmm. leader, because I really liked him when he ran provincially. He was the best candidate provincially, but I was scared, you know, with the Rosedale part of the riding that, that the Conservatives might win. Yeah. And, so you uh, gave the Green to the Green is what I did give yes. the Green to the Green. Oh, you're adorable. But at the end, I ended up <laughs> voting for Christina Freeland because the NDP was really surging here. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'd want Christina Fila in Parliament, but I thought if the Greens could upseat her or finish second, I would have voted for them. And I know because I did speak with uh, Tim uh, after a debate and, uh, you know, they were predicting like 8 to 15 seats. Yeah. It's uh, really shocking what happened. Mr. Freeze, what do you think about I mean, You can't vote for the party that sounds like Sesame Street party. You know, it's like the color. You have a vote for a color. What, do you vote for letter of day next? You vote for, like, what is your favorite cereal breakfast party? You know, like the green, you have to change the name to something sexy, like like we're the, the climax party or something, you know, instead of climate change, the climax is something, you know? You can't vote for a color. But as, as Mr. Freeze, though, how do you feel about global warming? I'd like to go the other way, you know, yes. like global freezing is what I, I will raise that point later. Yeah. 
So well, it is climate change, right? It's well, they get, the warming, that's, the, that's the problem. They call it warming, yeah. but some places get colder. Yeah. But then they have no complaints. But I have, I would save that for later. Okay. <laughs> Melissa, what do you think was the top uh, news story in Canada? Well, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, I was going to say, glo- you know, climate change. It was a, as for many people this year, with you know glaciers melting, um, it's a really exciting time. There's some new neighborhoods opening up for development <laughs> oh, yeah. in the north of this yeah. country, and I, for one, applaud the Earth's decision to change. I just want to say that you know my freeze ray that I use used to be able to freeze things for like you know two three hours, but now like with the global warming, after five minutes, the Gotham City is back to normal. It stinks <laughs> to be a criminal these days. The mm. whole thing is about freezing. Mm. It's like I can't get anything done. Let's well. Let's look globally. Let's talk about what you think the biggest news story was uh, globally outside of Canada. Andrew, why don't we start with you? I think uh, not to extend the metaphors of melting and freezing, but the meltdown of uh, Donald Trump, the continuing Mm -hmm. meltdown, Mm -hmm. uh, extending now into possible what he has been impeached, which, as we know, means you've been accused but not convicted. Yeah. Um, uh, But it was uh, spectacular that after the Mueller report, which. It didn't prove that that they colluded with the Russians, but it basically said they tried their damnedest on both yeah. sides. Uh, after all that, and after him claiming, oh, this whole thing was a hoax and there's no collusion, what does he do after being accused of colluding with a foreign power to interfere in an American election using dirt on his opponents? He goes out and colludes with another foreign power, in this case, yeah. Ukraine, uh, to get dirt on his opponent to interfere in an American election. And this time does it basically, you know, in front of everybody. He did it literally from the White House, White House uh, lawn. Exactly. Like waiting for the helicopter. So what we're seeing is a guy who just not only has no shame, but thinks he's in, in, invincible, like a, like a supervillain, uh, that he can just do whatever he likes and can never be caught. And it, he may be right is the worst of it. So far, I mean, it's surprising, you know, when you look at all the court cases he's had over the years, all the uh, bankruptcies and just not paying people. And uh, I mean, there's so many legal proceedings going against him right now, including trying to get his tax records, which he seems seems to be. I'm going to go with this with these metaphors. Seems to be his Krypton. Well, it's a beautiful uh, it's the thing. It's a he's beautiful most afraid document. of. Document. Yeah. Kryptonite. 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 I think it part. Krypton's planet. That's right. Yes, it's true. Uh, Melissa, what do you think is biggest? What is the biggest story? Well, um, you know, like our compatriot, um, uh, well, climate change always, of course. That yeah. you know, uh, that's an, that's a something that I'm always keeping an eye on. But I do think actually that Trump is one of the most exciting and uh, and the biggest stories because I think it really shows people what. Um, a corrupt government and one developer can do when they put themselves <laughs> together. You know, you when they when you get that dark money put into towers of condos, I think the sky's the limit. Is it, it, you know, and and certainly we've seen perhaps that Trump's taken it as far as he can, but I think it's just showing you know other world superpowers what they can accomplish, and uh, certainly our shingles up for business. So uh, you know, China, I'm looking at you. I know BC has uh, outlawed you, but do you have a Build the ice hotels. Sometimes you'd like to develop that. Well, I would it's, like to talk to you. <laughs> it's so funny that you would say that because we have just started uh, opening a, a co-pro with Denmark uh, oh. up in uh, uh, on Baffin Island, actually. And oh. so we're going to be using some artisanal ice for I'd like uh, to talk yeah. to you about that after uh, the show. Yeah, we'll I'll give you my show. card. You'll give Great. me your card. Yeah, yeah we'll things. talk after the show. Yeah. I love my it. card made of ice. So you have to keep it, you know, cold. Or else yes. it melts. You can't contact me. Yes. Oh, I'm going to need another one of your cards. Yeah, 
my you last one, it melted. Keep in yeah. the freezer. You'll keep in the yeah. freezer. It's yeah. very yeah. simple. Miss the freeze. It's I not. put I put your last card. I put it in a drink. And oh, well, so it's you, that, that's not bad. You yeah, know, skeptical. Good. It's good. Mr. Freeze, what do you think is the uh, biggest story of the last year? I, I can't go the other ones. They were on my list, but so I guess I go with the death of that cat on the internet with the face. You know, <laughs> that everyone put the face. The grumpy cat. cat. Grumpy cat. Grumpy yeah, cat. Yeah, oh, grumpy did cat. he die? He died yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah. Natural causes. No one's looking into it. Some people thought Trump was behind it. You know that. I wouldn't, I, they always say it's Trump, you know, that's why I understand why, the, mm-hmm. you know, Republicans get so angry because it's like, it's not always Trump, it turns mm-hmm. out in this case, mm-hmm. you know, it's just natural causes. Maybe Catwoman, I don't know. I, she likes cats, I don't know. Well, I heard that her owner was protesting rent eviction laws, so, you know, you play with fire. <laughs> you probably like, you probably like Epstein was inside job, you know. Well, I think we all know that. <laughs> it's nothing new. You can cut that part if you want. It's no, yeah. it's staying good. Actually, one of the things, for, let's talk about this. What do you think? Is there a story, let's start, because we're talking about worldwide stuff. Is there a story that you think should have gotten more coverage? Uh, well, so why don't we start with you? Hmm. I, think, you know, I mean, for me, it has to be, it's funny for both. For me, I, I think the biggest story and also what should have gotten more coverage is climate change for me, just because, I mean, literally Australia's on fire and California was on fire last year. We had all these floodings across Canada. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it's funny, like now I'm seeing, not, I've been contacting all my friends in Australia to like, are you okay? And they are, but who knows Well, you know they're okay because they're in the future. So you know that's okay, right? Because like 17 <laughs> hours ahead. Well, that's I true. mean, I was surprised that... Justin Trudeau in blackface didn't get more coverage than it did. Yeah, it didn't and last very long. It did get some, but it didn't last very long. And the thing is that when he's doing that, I get so many permits approved because <laughs> nobody's paying attention. So I really would have liked it if he'd gotten, you know, half even the flack that somebody on the right would have gotten for doing that uh, because it's a very useful distraction, I find. Uh, Andrew, what do you think was the most, what, what, a story that could have used, that should have had more coverage? Uh, I think the civil war in Yemen. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, if you say it, it, people almost roll their eyes like, what the hell is that? It's, it's the biggest it's humanitarian crisis in the world. You've got yeah. 20 million people in that, in that country either destitute or, or you know, displaced. Yeah. Um, uh, it, but I think because it's, they can't, they're not on the move the way the refugees from Syria were, yeah. it hasn't grabbed people's attention the same way. They're kind of just stuck in place being bombed, basically. Um, and the other thing I think we're seeing with a lot of these stories around, I mean, I'm thinking of like the protests in Iran, protests in India, is if the government just kind of shuts down the communications, it seems like there's nothing we can do. Like there, we maybe just don't have the resources as news media anymore for this kind of reporting. But, you know, there's something like 450 people were killed in the, in the Iranian protests and there was no coverage or virtually no coverage of it. Well, same thing. One of the things I want to bring up with, as well was the Hong Kong protests. Yeah. I think it was hugely undercovered. And when you did see someone speak out about it, you saw a huge backlash. Like the NBA had games canceled and TV coverage uh, uh, canceled. Um, you know, it leads to a bigger topic, which we're going to talk on. I think on it was. Show, I think it. I think it was covered the Hong Kong protest. What I think the real gap was leaders in the rest of the world stepping up and expressing solidarity with. Yeah. Them. Uh, any previous American president, I think, would have been uh, for, first and foremost. I mean, you think of, uh, you know, JFK, Ich bin ein Berliner. Right. You know, that was used to be the role of American presidents was to to take those kinds of parties. In this case, Trump basically said, communicated publicly and privately to the Chinese leader that, you know, as long as you cut a trade deal, I won't say very much about uh, about Hong Kong. It's disgraceful. Yeah. I mean, it is a it's a different time when JFK, you know, was president. Uh, America, you know, definitely led the world and had the biggest economy in the world. But now China's rising, and America really needs access to the Chinese market, and so does Canada. Um, 
you know, we've certainly seen uh, issues here. Uh, I forget the name of the woman who was arrested um, in Wayne Vancouver. Lantella. Yeah, for, from Highway Way. And it's caused, you know, now there's two Canadians rotting in jail, maybe maybe getting a death sentence. You know, there's these communists, or to, to, like, like Saudi Arabia is a good example as well, countries that are flexing their muscle. They've got the economic power, like a couple of years ago when Christina Freeland tweeted support for the, uh, I believe, the women who were, just wanted to drive a car or just the, But know, I don't think that's because of, I don't think that's because America's relative economic place has changed. Right. I think it's because it's partly that you have a, a, a public and a political class in America that's exhausted with trying to exercise the kind of leadership that they did in the past because right. in many cases it involves military entanglements that they don't want to get into anymore. But much worse than that, you've got a leader in, the, in President Trump who is completely off the charts in terms of any kind of moral responsibility or any kind of adherence to the norms, not just of American leadership, but of, but of American citizenship, citizenship right. in the world. Um, that, I think, is the biggest failing and the biggest decline of America. It's not their relative economic might. It's, it's, their, it's their moral standing. Well, Mr. Freeze, what do you think? Is there a story you think that maybe, hey, this should have got more coverage? Well, the, the, I think that the world today, the world moves so quick in the news, like it's at 11 o'clock in the morning, it's one thing, and by 1 o'clock in the afternoon, there's something else, and like there's the global warming, it kills this island, but then you forget about it because now the place is in Australia on fire. So I think it's, it's really everything put together, but you can remember it. I think I'm sounding a bit Spanish, but that's I'm <laughs> Mr. Freeze, well-traveled, well-traveled. Sometimes when I go to Mexico, I have to sound a bit more Mexican so they, I don't stand out. Is your first language Esperanza? I am gay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> wow. Da. I've never met a native speaker. Mm. So. <laughs> but the whole, I think all the stories are the most important, but they, they burn up so fast, you know. You have to freeze them in time. All right, well, let's let's uh, let's turn back to Canada. What do you think is the uh, story that w that should have got more ink uh, in Canada, Melissa? Why don't we start with you? Well, I was very excited. I mean, I say that I wanted to have more ink, but maybe I also want to keep it to myself. But you know, the fact that. Um, uh, that they're opening up the uh, Oak Ridge's moraine for development, I thought was a huge, uh, huge... Is it happening? I thought that wasn't happening. Oh, well, oh. I mean, a little more until... It's backdoor deal. It's it happening. I, mean, I can't say for sure. So I'll look forward to inking that um, deal and putting more ink on that and, you know, letting everybody know that we are ready for business over in that moraine. Um, you see, you, you look, you're looking at me confused. See, you didn't even know it was happening. Well, I knew it was on. I knew there was talks about it before uh, the government was elected, because like, yes. the tape came out. I believe. Yeah, it was there kind was, of like, conditional on getting elected. And there was a huge backlash. Apparently, mm -hmm. I think for people who like rich people who live in the area don't want it developed. Well, you know, um, I think that when they see what they are going to be able to make on a nice little flip, um, there, I think they'll be pretty happy. We're just trying to make people happy and give them homes. Okay. Andrew, what do you think? Uh, the aging of the population. Uh, mm. We are heading for a society unlike anything we've ever seen in history. Uh, we're halfway there already, but in 10 or 15 years, we're going to have 25% of the population over the age of 65, right. increasing percentage of those over the age of 70, 80, 90, or 100. Uh, there's two things that that means. One is huge costs because old people cost a lot to look after for their health care. And secondly, fewer people of working age to pay those costs. Mm. Um, it's an enormous, I mean, the costs implied are in the trillions of dollars. 
There's only one possible way in which we can deal with it. We're not going to deal with it by, you know, you know, just having more babies or, or even by reforming healthcare. None of these things that people sometimes throw out or even higher immigration, none of these things as worthy as they might be are going to fix the problem. The only thing, the way we can address this is by raising productivity, by making that next generation or two so much wealthier than we are that they can afford to pay the crippling costs of looking after us. So in you our, mean the younger, make the younger generation more. Make them rich. Like you got to get started now and get incomes right. rising every year faster faster than they are now. So the reason I raised that, because that's been, this issue has been with us for years, but yeah. this was an election year. Uh, this should Nobody have been a time no in an election to talk yeah. about, and it doesn't have to be arcane or abstruse. I mean, people say, you talk about the aging of the population, people say, well, that's too complicated. Okay, let's just talk about economic growth, because that's the only thing that's going to save us from this. And nobody was talking about how to make the economy grow faster during the election. It was all about how do we redistribute things faster, yeah. not how do we make the economy grow faster. And that was just a huge failing on the political class. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Fries, what do you think? Well, I think that the most underreported thing that uh, we heard of from this year was uh, the the whole um, Andrew Shearer with the kids, and he, they went to the private schools, mm. and they were paid for by the conservative party. Now, when I send my kids to school, I pay in the diamonds. You know, I like the diamonds. I pay in the <laughs> yeah. diamonds. Mm. Most schools don't take diamonds. So you have to be very specific. But it seems like when this, when Mr. Trudeau does something wrong, you know, it's in the paper for like months and months, and Mr. Shearer does the wrong thing. It's like three days, you know. Mm. That's what I think. He gets shut out. Well, I mean, there's a lot of speculation. That's the reason that it kind of came public, and that's why he resigned. Like, the story was coming out. So like a baby, you know. You just, like, one bad press, and you'd leave. Trudeau, you know, he would have been gone day three. <laughs> I just thought it was so interesting how that came out after he lost the election, because that Funny information that. really would have been available to anybody in the Conservative caucus. So I'm just... Um, well, it was interesting how, I mean, Stephen Harper was apparently outraged, former Prime Minister, and isn't he on like the? Isn't he on some board in the Conservative Party where he would be and aware of shocked, spending? Shocked to discover Look, that I there was. Discover. I am part of supervillain group, and some days <laughs> I meet, I show up, and I'm like, the Joker did what? Mm. Yeah. How come we didn't check this? You can't mm -hmm. kill that person without the checking. Well, I just thought it was lovely all those very, very sincere and spontaneous, unplanned messages of condolence and uh, <laughs> from all the conservative leaders to Andrew Shear. It was um, I was amazed at the the way they were able to write those letters. Just you know, uh, in that moment when they you know they hadn't been prepared for that at all. Coming. Yeah. It's interesting how the knives were out, knives went away, and then the knives were plunged. Oh, yeah. You know, it was like that was like wow. You wake up and it's like what happened? Well, and if you go back to the Conservative Party, the other story is the Patrick Brown, which leads yeah. to the Doug Ford. I think I am Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> but frankly, if, no. you know, if you're Andrew Shear, wouldn't you rather go out quickly with some fake scandal than having spending six months having the party tell tell you we don't like you, go away. I mean, well, that would be humiliating. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys are talking as if this was a fake scandal. <laughs> I do. You have to wonder, though, if they The Conservative Shear. Party and people yeah. who want to lead it, like Doug Ford, would not participate in this kind of activity. I am shocked. <laughs> shocked. Well, let's talk about, I mean, coming up uh, this year in 2020, there's going to be uh, a, new, a federal conservative leadership race. Um, I'm running for that part. Are you running for anyone? Well, I'm the blue collar, you know, so I'm mm. already in, you know. That's Thank you for choosing this show for, to announce it. Yes. Oh, very exciting. What riding? <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, the very north of oh, Ontario, yes. so yes. north. It's still freezing in the summer. It's like minus seven. Mm. But with regards to the to the Conservative Party, the Federal Conservative Party, I mean, it's obvious they need to change. Like yep. they, 
you know, they're going to need a leader who, A, will go to a pride parade. You know, they have to, like, have some kind Too of Too hot. I love <laughs> gay people, but so hot when they run the parade. I can't go. It just mm. melts me, no. I think that they need to just really, really double down and just, just go absolutely Dickensian with their view of the future. You know, right <laughs> now they're kind of moderating that a little mm-hmm. bit. And um, I think that people can tell that they're not, their heart isn't in it. And, um, you know, there were there are just a few... You know, protection rollbacks and uh, laws away from having a really incredible. I think Malthusian is that the is that the word I'm looking Why not? for? Sure. <laughs> um, you know that kind of uh, model where there's a it's a really dynamic economy where mm-hmm. people at the bottom are really scrabbling and and uh, mm-hmm. and and getting their you know getting off their butts and working for their daily bread. And so basically, what like Doug Ford and Jason Kenney are doing? I'm very excited. About that. <laughs> you think Peter McKay regrets uniting uh, the Conservatives with the Reform Party? Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, if you're Peter McAfee, people like them, it was all about getting power. And mm-hmm. um, sure enough, once they united the parties, they won power, uh, I think at the cost of actually having any meaningful differences with the, the other parties, but uh, but they did manage to, to hold on to power. Um, but I think you're right that they, they've run into, I mean, even when they managed to scrape into power in 2011, They've had a real hard time breaking, you know, getting a, a solid establishment in Ontario. And Ontario mm-hmm. is where they're going to win or lose elections. They're never going to be a power in Quebec. It's only if they can win large numbers of seats in Ontario to add yeah. to their Western base. And what you saw in this election was they were racking up 80% majorities in Alberta uh, and losing elections that were winnable in ridings in Ontario. because mm-hmm. they. So they need to be willing to to lose a bit of the vote in, in Alberta by being a little less stridently, you know, social anti-carbon tax, social conservative, et cetera, yeah. and, and be willing to, 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 to draw down a bit of that capital in order to appeal to uh, suburban voters in Ontario in particular. The difficulty for them is, and for any leadership candidate is, the base is in the West, the base is in rural mm-hmm. Canada, the base is not going to be happy about any big remake of the party's stance on some of these issues. So it's going to be a very careful thing to negotiate, difficult thing to negotiate in the course of the leadership campaign, reassuring the base you're not just going to totally sell them out, and yet being able to also pitch to these um, suburban voters in Ontario uh, that they need to win. You know, there's a, there's a I can't remember what state it was in, in the United States, but at one point they did have this law in the book which it really equalized uh, voting, and, the, and I think they, uh, that basically only uh, property owners could vote and renters could not. And I, for one, think that we need to make Canada great again and bring that <laughs> back in. Um, that would really solve so a lot of my problems. if you own the house, you vote, but if you rent, you no vote. Exactly. I think that will not be a popular uh, opinion. In, in, uh, among renters. Well, exactly. <laughs> among you're renters. making my back. point yeah. already. Thank <laughs> you. To go back to Peter McKay, I think the only thing he regrets is saying, hey, Belinda Stronach, you're free mm. next Friday. You I was going to say, does the coalition keep his bed warm at night? I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> Let's talk about the prime minister. What do you think were some of the best and worst moments uh, for the prime minister in the last year? Mr. Freeze. Well, the you. worst moment is blackface, you know, can't get much lower than that. Mm. Uh, you know, he wore the stuff to India. That was, that was, I think, a few years ago, but then the blackface, yeah. like, what, what's the guy's problem, you know? Just, like, <laughs> read a book, you know? But the good moment, he won, you know? He's, he's still prime minister. True. He still can run the country. Melissa, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard. Whenever he speaks, I just kind of hear a bunch of clicks and whistles, like a dolphin and a squeaky toy, you know, okay. kind of a thing. You know, he's always marching in this or that, and... Uh, 
smiling at people, and um, I don't really pay much attention to them. <laughs> you don't pay much. Andrew, highs and lows? There weren't a lot of highs for them other no. than squeaking through the election. But, yeah. of course, they won the election only in the sense that they lost the least. Uh, you know, they, they were reduced in number of seats, reduced in votes, but they came out ahead of the conservatives. But, uh, obviously, blackface, I mean, nobody thinks the guy's a racist. No. A lot of people had a strong view that he was an idiot, Circa 2013, the general view of him was he was just a complete flippage of it. Somewhere along the way, he had a makeover from his handlers, et cetera. And by the time the election of 2015 rolled around, enough people thought, okay, he looks like he's grown up a bit. Let's give him a try. And since then, or certainly in the last year or two, I think he's done thing after thing where people are going, no, he's the same old idiot. And to not know at the age of 30 or whatever it was uh, that, that, you know, prancing around in blackface is not a good idea – is just so clueless. A few yeah. times. He seemed I, well, to really it enjoy it. It seemed to have been it. a bit of a hobby, yeah. you know. And, and, and you, just, you just sort of sit back and you go, how can you really be that out of it and that unaware and that narcissistic that you do these kinds of things to grab attention? I think it just reminded people of a lot of the things that they thought about him before. Do you think this could be Trudeau's last election? Like they seem to be positioning Christina Freeland as like really the face and the voice of the party. And given what's been happening, is it a good idea for Trudeau to be leading the party? Can he win a majority again at that next election? Andrew, why don't we start with you? Uh, well, as you know, David, I, I eschew predictions, but uh, um, it's hard to know. I think that part of it will be decided by who the conservatives pick as their leader and how formidable a threat they look like they're posing. There's no doubt that he's a diminished figure post-election. He is not the asset to the party that he clearly was in 2015. He's, he's been diminished in people's appreciation. He, they, they sort of let him squeak through, but nobody yeah. was particularly enthused about him. Um, and so, yeah, he, um, they've set up uh, Christian Freeland as almost like the, the, the sort of prime minister in all but name. Yeah. A lot of people think there's a there's a poison pen in that or poison pill or whatever in that, in that, in that, you know, she's been handed a bunch of basically impossible assignments, you know, go out and mollify the West. Uh, and if she fails, then, then, then he's, he's been able to kind of, you know, dispose of a, of a potential threat. On the other hand, if she succeeds, then she really does look like the heir apparent at that point. Yeah. It's like when I team up with the supervillain, like Lex Luthor or something, yeah. you know, sometimes you say, look, one of us is going to look bad. One of us is going to look good. We flip a coin. Whoever ends up in the end, the winner, there's a winner, you know, and sometimes you get sent to jail and sometimes, you know, you win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's talk about Wexit, uh, which is a name I hate. I was living in the UK when Brexit was voted in. and it's You sound it's, like that marriage guy from The Princess Bride. And now, exit. <laughs> Peter Cook. Yes. <laughs> yes, Peter yes. Cook. Yes. Well, you know, it, it, it's just, uh, you know, Brexit, even though it's going to happen, it seems like it's going to happen, it's still, I think, a, a, a bad idea. I personally think Wexit is, a, is an even worse idea. I mean, it, it just seems, to me, it seems infeasible because it's, you've got a government, you've got a, a federal government, the, the uh, liberals, who, who bought a pipeline for you, they, they, didn't get any seats in Alberta, and did they, did they get any seats in Manitoba? Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry, uh, Saskatoon. No seats in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, sorry. And now it's like, we're going to separate. We want to separate and then cut our own deal. And it's like, if you're not part of the country, why would anyone agree to put a pipeline? Like, why would BC agree mm-hmm. to put a pipeline through if you're not part of the country? You've got a, you've got a party in, in government that wants to do it, and so do the cons. I mean, whether it happens or not, who knows? Because there's uh, certainly a lot of land issues to to work out with the indigenous and environmental issues. But does 
does Brexit make any sense? Does it have any real uh, momentum, Mr. Freeze? Why don't we start with you? Brexit or Wexit? Sorry, Wexit. Wexit. Wexit, no, because like the problem is everyone loses and they turn into like big babies and they cry, you know, and they want to change the world. But you have to, give, I mean, if what, what kind of money they're going to have in Alberta, the Alberta coin, you know, make it mm. like a stake on the coin or something like that, or oil. You know, when you base your economy on one thing, which I now, grant, I base my whole thing on the ice and the cold, <laughs> but I've done yeah. okay, you yeah. know, but there's plenty of ice there used to be. But now, I are you transitioning ch- now? Are you going to change business plan change because plan. you know ice not as popular as it once <laughs> was because of the global warming? So I have to change. But do I just say I'm out of the villains union now because Joker and and the Catwoman don't want to work with me? I leave, go on my own. Do you know how hard that is. I've never met a Mexican Romanian before. It's, it's a real I joy. I travel the world and I have to fit in everywhere. Andrew, what are your thoughts on on the Wexit movement? Uh, uh, it's a terrib- and full dis- full disclosure when 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 Harper won a majority I don't know if you recall but I was adamant that Toronto should become a city state right. we we talked about this mm-hmm. and, and you said maybe Toronto becomes its own province and I was like we should just I mean I never went out and tried to form a party about it I never really other than like you know venting steam did anything about it but people have really come together in Alberta at least some, some. Uh, I I don't Looks think like it's, big a party I don't think it's serious movement yeah. I don't think it's obviously not a good idea for Alberta or for the country and it's not frankly possible um, 50 years of talking about this in Quebec I think persuaded a number of Quebecers of critical mass of Quebecers that you can't even do this it's too yeah. complicated it's too difficult if you want to live in a law-based state you can't just you know up and announce you're gone you have to negotiate these things and they'd be tied up in knots for decades so Quebecers, I think a lot of them basically said, okay, it was a lovely idea, but we're, it's just not practical, and Albertans would find the same thing. But there's even less support in Alberta for that. Mm-hmm. What you have is a bunch of people who are legitimately fed up about a few things. Some mm-hmm. of the things they're not so legitimate about, like, you know, isn't it time we had our own police force? I don't know what that has to do with anything. Right. But I think it's legitimate to say we, the, the country cannot function on the basis that one province or another can blockade the other province from, from put, getting its product to market. That has to be a decision mm-hmm. made by a federal government. That's why you have a federation to deal with those kinds of interprovincial issues. So you can't have Quebec or BC saying, you know, we're, 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 we've effectively set ourselves up as a separate country. We're not going to allow your, your product to go to market. Um, so I think some of this will be assuaged when and if we get the, the Trans Mountain Pipeline built. I think a lot of Albertans, at least some of the steam will come out, they'll say, okay, finally, we're, we're, we're functioning like a proper country. Longer term, though, there is this issue that we've never faced before, which, I mean, this is not like the oil fights of the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Longer term, you have this enduring issue of over time, we are going to move away from fossil fuels. Over time, Alberta's got to make that longer term transition. And not a lot of people are thinking and talking in Alberta politics about this in any serious way. You know, the Greens did. It's interesting. The Greens brought up its platform that we want to retrain you and people balked at it. But realistically, they have to do like they are such. It's a- hard, you know. I had the freeze ray, and then I changed something <laughs> else, and my goons were like, "I'm not learning this. This is crazy." Yeah, I mean, I think they've got uh, several decades, and so people mm-hmm. can make that transition. But what people have to know is that this is coming. That this that that you start to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they have to do it overnight, in my opinion. But it is something they've got to think serious about in the long term, both for their own sakes and, of course, for the whole country. We've got we've got to think about how we make those transitions. You know, something I found interesting. You know. Uh, with regards to Canada, is that, you know, when the NBA, when the Raptors, you know, started the playoff run to, towards the NBA finals, 
you know, so outside of the uh, arena where they play here in Toronto, Scotia Bank, there's a big Jurassic Park where people mm-hmm. come and watch thousands, tens of thousands come and watch the game live. And then all over Canada, like from coast to coast, Jurassic Parks were popping up, some of them like really big. And then they got bigger and bigger as the Raptors, you know, went further from the playoffs. And when the Raptors won the NBA championship. So I haven't seen it yet. I'm taking it. Kawhi Lee. Spoiler. But, you know, when the Raptors won, the whole country really celebrated. It really mm-hmm. brought the whole country together. And then a few months later, in an election, everyone's like, screw you. Screw you. It's like, we're separating and I hate them and I hate that. And it's just like, it, it's shocking to me the, the difference in a few months. You know, like it's the same country, it's the same people. And uh, I, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting thing. You can always get unity around cheering for a team. I mean, yeah. cheering for Team Canada, whatever. But it's it's fake, really. It's a it's a it's something you can do around a particular event, but it doesn't mm-hmm. last beyond that. You're always going to have divisions in any country. The toxic part in this country is when those di- those divisions over issues get regionalized. Mm-hmm. So it becomes not a matter of I think this and I think that, but yeah. you're in that part of the country and I'm in this part of the country, and I I hate you for that reason rather than because of legitimate differences we might have. Um, and part of that is our electoral system is, mm-hmm. is, you know, there's lots of liberals in Alberta. There's lots yeah. of conservatives in Ontario and Quebec, but our electoral system basically makes it appear as if there are no liberals west of Manitoba uh, and there are no conservatives in, in the east uh, and exaggerates and, 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 and exacerbates the differences that exist in the country. It make, makes them a lot worse. So I do think, and I, I you know, the, 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 there's, there's lots of other reasons to want to, to want to either talk or not talk about that issue, but the particular issue of the way in which it entrenches regional divisions, our mm-hmm. electoral system, I think is hugely important when you look at the result of the 2019 election. It's only one team too, the Raptors, and those only Canadian team. So sure. if it's hockey and they have the Leafs or the Canucks the people will be mad if so if the Leafs win people get angry alright let's move on let's talk about who do you think is the person of the year and not necessarily just within Canada but worldwide for 2019 who do you think was the biggest newsmaker and just like Time Magazine it doesn't have to be well this person is doing all the best it's like who's, who made the most news who's the most newsworthy person I want to jump that? in first and I sure. want to say Gre- Greta Thunberg right. she has lit the fires of alarm <laughs> you know, terrible fun there. Oh, wow. uh, the, the, and I have sold so many cottages to people <laughs> who want to get out of town. Um, I do condos, but I also do, you know, know, whenever, you know, the talk of the aging population, there's a lot of people dying and, you know, their kids don't know what to do besides sell it. And I, um, I'm just for one grateful the, the, the migrations that she's sparking because people have to live somewhere Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm ready. You're ready. ready. Mm-hmm. Mr. Freeze, what about you? Person of the year? Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Brian, yes. Oh, really? He's in uh, the, the Hollywood movie, you know, <laughs> where he was good, still oh, looks... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. and he was in a space movie. Oh, Ad Astro. And people want to know if he and Jennifer Aniston getting back together, you know, right. that's big news. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's, um, to me, it's, it's the year of Pitt. <laughs> year of Pitt. Andrew, who do you think? Uh, well, if we're talking in Canada, uh, I would yeah. say uh, uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould and, yeah. and uh, Jane Philpott. Yeah. Um, you I have know, to agree with that. If, think, if yeah. you watch Canadian politics for any length of time, it can make you extremely cynical. Mm-hmm. Uh, people you know, don't seem to have any principles, don't live by them. Here's a case where you have two cabinet ministers uh, who are willing to pay the price for a fairly important principle, a very important mm-hmm. principle. I think particularly Philpott. I mean, Wilson-Raybould resigned in part because her own 
um, good name and reputation was at stake. If she'd mm-hmm. been obliged to do what the prime minister was pressuring her to do, I think it would have reflected very poorly on her if, she, if she'd succumbed to it. But Philpott quit because of an, the treatment of another cabinet minister and because of something that was outside of her portfolio. And she was, you know, probably the most highly regarded of Trudeau's ministers, the most capable, the most competent, mm-hmm. probably in line to be finance minister. For her to resign on a point of principle in that, I think is remarkable. Uh, it's a shame that it wasn't rewarded the ballot box when she ran as an independent. People stuck with oh, the party uh, yeah. rather than rather than the individual. Uh, Wilson Rabel was elected as an independent, but um, I think that's a, an, a, an example. I think uh, that I'd hope to see others follow in Canadian politics. And who would you say worldwide news person of the year? I think you got to say Trump. I mean, he, really, he, the, the, you, there's, there's never been a president like him. Needless to say. Yeah. There's no comparison we can make to him. And the mind constantly falls short in trying to comprehend it because you think of presidents who were crooks or presidents who were inept or presidents who were inexperienced or presidents who were unsuitable. But there's never, never been anybody who's all of those things at the same time and more. No, it's like, not- a, like a toilet you don't clean and then one day you're like, <laughs> that's dirty. And then the next day you go back, oh, it even got dirtier than yeah. that. And you go next day, you don't see how dirty it can actually get, but every day it gets dirtier, dirtier. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very interesting analogy that I had not thought of. You but could put it in your column, yes. it's okay. <laughs> no so, copyright. Mm. But it's, it, it, we, we, we just have never... Uh, uh, run across this kind of individual. If you were trying to think of the most impossibly unsuited person to be president of anything, let alone president of the United States, mm-hmm. you, you'd still fall short of, of, of what the actual reality of Trump is. But you're assuming that most people can see what's best for them, Andrew. And I think that that's really naive on your part. Um, Fair enough. You know what? I Can I give you my card? Can we talk later on? Great. Okay. <laughs> Will your card melt? Hmm? Your card melt? Oh, the one that's from him. That's, that's his card. card. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting a bit colder. Even, <laughs> yeah. even I can feel it. Yeah. My my card does cost money for you to keep it in, a, in your pocket, though. So, Andrew, do you think that the Senate will convict Trump? Because it's looking. I mean, the Republicans have that. You know, obviously they they can do what they want, and McConnell keeps saying he's going to you know make it quick, and they're not going to convict. But there's more and more evidence coming out that like Trump was fully aware what was going on, like every, every day almost, there's more stuff coming out. And it's looking like, you know, people are saying that if the Republicans do this, they're going to get voted out. They have certainly been paying a price. I mean, they have stayed unbelievably loyal to Trump to a quite disgusting degree. And the good news is they've been paying a price. They've been mm-hmm. losing elections at the state and, and, and in the midterm elections yeah. over and over and over again. So they are paying a price for it. And that's going to be the interesting question. Right now, you'd say, no, they'll, they'll, they'll remain lock solid. Uh, but you've got particular senators who are vulnerable. You only need a few of them to turn yeah. or to, to change the result. Uh, I think it'll depend upon what comes out, and it'll depend upon where the public is. And as long as there's enough support that they they're more afraid of losing their their own nominations, for example, in in primary races mm-hmm. or losing that kind of thing, as long as they're more afraid of their own base than the public at large, then they'll stick with them. As, as if if the if the polls shift enough that they're they're looking at a real wipeout in 2020 as a result, then they, you could see some of them change. I am, for one, I'm really heartened by the uh, belief in uh, democracy that you hold, Andrew. And um, I, for one, as a member of the oligarchy, applaud you. And I think you should keep talking about it and telling people that that actually makes a difference. You know, <laughs> in my world, they yeah. have the Legion of Doom, you know, and yeah. like we know so much bad about the other person. Like, you, we mm. know we do bad things, but we know they've they've done really bad things. Like, you can't even tell your wife, you know, mm-hmm. and they know that about us. So if we vote them out, 
who do you think will talk first? Black Manta will probably be the first one mm-hmm. to tell what I did, you know? So we keep them all in the same roof and we don't screw around with it, you know? <laughs> that makes sense. Are you saying you'd have to ice them if they said oh, too much? That's <laughs> all you, you, owe me, you owe me 25 cents. Oh. 25 cents. There you go. All right, that is the end of the show. Uh, this episode of The Panel Show has been brought to you by New and Improved Love. If you've ever been in love, then you'll love New and Improved Love. It's got 50% less calories than regular love, and it's gluten-free. New and Improved Love. Find it online and in your grocer's freezer. All right, I'd like to thank today's panelists from the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne. Mr. Freeze was played by Paul Constable, and condo developer Melissa was portrayed by Aurora Brown, who was, I believe, renovicted, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's a whole other episode. It's a whole other episode. <laughs> I'd like to thank Luke Peters uh, for recording today's show. I'm your host, Professor Pipe. Thank you for listening to the show. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you are accessing it from. Uh, the panel show theme music is provided by the Jim Clayton Trio. For more information about the panel show or to attend a live taping, we will be able to do that at the new studio. Visit our website, thepanelshow.com, and you can sign up for our newsletter there. Uh, if the website is not live yet go to monkeytoast.com you can get all the information there but it should be live soon thanks so much for listening we hope you listen again thanks everybody